My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. Like, oh, here we go, Mark. Off again with your... Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, it's like therapy, you know? If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. Yeah. So who are we talking about today, Matt? your own life spread positivity be happy don't participate in the bullshit that they're trying to show you on tv turn off your tv don't watch the tv go outside and look at the sky you know go for a walk talk to nature nature will tell you more uh, reality than the fucking tv will i i i think that one of the biggest things i've learned is just to follow your own path not worry about what anyone else is doing or thinking and you know as selfish as it sounds you got to focus on you before you can do anything for anyone else and get your shit ready because that's that's really all there is is your existence because that's it you're not living in anyone else's existence Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I'm your host, Mark Palmer, and on today's show, we have host of Forbidden Knowledge News, Beyond Classified, and Ground Zero. That's right, Chris Matthews from the Forbidden Knowledge News Network. We talked about a lot of really fascinating stuff. Stay tuned for the end when Ryan Dean, my buddy from the Dangerous World podcast, joins to talk about some off-world civilizations and some really controversial stuff that we might have to dedicate a whole episode to. But before that, Chris Matthews talks to us about his unconventional and otherworldly meditation experiences, some really cool revelations that he received and what that means for him as a podcaster here today in uh, 2021 the day is december 17th i recorded this podcast a couple days ago and i think this episode will be coming out on the 20th so it is that time of the month folks show us some love on patreon and do yourself a favor for this holiday season we got so much bonus content for you to enjoy you got some time off of work well Get through all that video content we have on the Patreon or Rockfin. Sign up there today, patreon.com slash MFTIC, or check out Mystic Mark on Rockfin. And if you want to get your loved ones a really cool gift this holiday season, go over to MyFamilyThinksI'mCrazy.com. Check out our shop. A lot of the handmade jewelry that I've made 
not recently, but in my life is up there. I've done a couple recently that I will be putting up there as well. And we also have some awesome art that my lovely girlfriend Tara painted herself available on our website. So please do yourself a favor and check that stuff out. We can't do this without your support and these really awesome handmade items I thought would be perfect to add to the website because it feels like I'm connecting with a lot of you and these crystal pendants are really close to me. Tara's paintings uh, were made with a lot of love and heart. So take some of that energy with you this holiday and order something cool from our website. We also have some sponsors. Stay tuned towards the end. Like I said in the outro, we'll get into that um, conversation with Ryan Dean. But our sponsors today, we have AudreyLobdell.com. Go there for all your tuning fork and Reiki needs. We also have AkashaGoods.com, the best place to get some awesome items to upgrade your sacred space and finally fru's forest baths if that sounds like something you want to learn about hit up fru she's got the forest bath for you that's about does it folks we're here on the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast I can't do it without your support thank you so much for being here thank you for listening and enjoy this conversation with chris matthew Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast. Thank you for tuning in. And today we've got someone who's been in the podcasting game, spitting truth for many years, many more years than I, and has contributed to this plethora of audio. I want to call it the Library of Alexandria, but can't steal that from my man Miguel Connor over at Aeon Byte. But that's what it is. I mean, you go to this guy's RSS feed and it is packed with information, not just new interviews, but old interviews. It's a pleasure to have you here on the show, Chris. Chris from Forbidden Knowledge News. How are you, my friend? Hey, Mark. Thanks so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And for folks who are not aware, possibly... How did you get into this and, and tell us a little bit about your show? This, oh man, this was back in probably about 2014. I had just started to wake up myself and just realize some of the things that I had been lied to about my whole life and started to research it. I started to go after, you know, a bunch of books and do deep dives on YouTube and just absorb information. And I was like, man, this is, this uh, seems like it, uh, some people should know about this. So I started a little Facebook blog and it kind of picked up steam, became popular. And, uh, you know, the more I'd learn, the more I'd be like, well, I need to get people uh, smarter than myself talking about this to help people understand some of these, you know, crazy aspects of these conspiracies and just actually truths we know now, you know, so many aspects of uh, the conspiracy world has become truth in the past couple of years. But yeah, the, the Facebook thing picked up steam and I kept doing that for a while. And then in, I think it was early 2017, I decided to start a YouTube channel and do interviews with some of the folks I'd been talking to. And I would just start contacting some of my, you know, 
favorite researchers, authors, uh, people that knew more about these topics than myself and decided to start doing a little hour, hour and a half interviews with him on YouTube. And that picked up even more. And then some uh, one of my friends, Charlie Robinson, you probably know him, suggested a podcast and that took off from there. And that's how Forbidden Knowledge News was born. And now we, we actually feature a podcast just like you're doing with your network. We're featuring a few uh, of our own on our website. And uh, it's been an amazing journey. I've met so many extraordinary people that I never thought I'd meet in my life. And you know, I was able to to do this for a living now, and I never thought in a million years I'd be able to to be doing this. So it's a blessing, and uh, sometimes I feel like I'm in an alternate reality, which is pretty crazy. But that's how it really all started for me. Yeah, I, geez, and I tend to feel that way too, but on the point of doing this full time, I mean, what an inspiration, man. I really resonate with that. And I heard you mention that on a conversation you had with Joe Rube, Lighting of the Void, another friend of the show. And yeah, man, that's the, that's the thing that I noticed maybe nine years ago now, 2012, just coming out of high school, really not knowing anywhere to find this kind of information other than the few books that I had stumbled across, you know, and podcasting when I eventually did find it some many years later, it was like, oh, wow, there, this is where everybody's at, you know, but it felt like the internet in that time when you started was much freer. And I wonder, you know, considering what you see today happening with people getting just straight up kicked off of YouTube overnight and, and all of this kind of stuff. I mean, was the, the landscape did it feel open back then or was there still oh, that was, element of much different? Like in 2014, 15, when I started uploading to YouTube, the growth was like, it was, they were featuring my videos in the suggestions, you know, on some of the main feeds on YouTube, I was monetized within a few months. I was getting, you know, I got a few thousand subscribers within a few months and then it just would take off. Cause they were actually, you know, suggesting my videos. I was running in there i was their ads were running on my uh, channel i was actually monetized i was actually making money from youtube and at that time i hadn't even started the podcast and it was blowing up and i noticed it was about 2016. it was actually the day after they pulled alex jones's <laughs> show i noticed my numbers just stopped i'm like whoa i'm not getting any subscribers and that was like you know a few days would go by i'd get two or three subscribers and my video count the, the view count dropped like extremely low like it was less than half the views that i would be getting and it kept getting less and less i'm like what the fuck is going on and that's when i noticed that it really started was like right really right after they pulled alex jones's stuff and in that two six 2016 time frame and they just it shadow banned completely after that not only on youtube but facebook and it was like around that time about 2015 about a year before that i'd started the podcast and luckily they're not doing that that i've noticed with podcasting which is a blessing you know we're able to get our message out that way but that's when i really noticed it started and it was it was like they put the brakes on everything any type of promotion or advertising or anything like that you had to do yourself everything was uh taken over by the uh, the scumbags in control and the censorship would just started to run rampant after that. Right. 
Right. And it is interesting, like you, you mentioned that podcasting seems to be immune to it. And you're right. I mean, just based on the actual. So far, you know. Yeah. Would. Yeah. The way it works, you know, we're hosting this stuff ourselves out of our own pocket. These companies that host the podcasts are sort of not in the same position that YouTube is. Right. And I think as a host, we have different a different perspective on it. And as someone who's been doing this much longer than me, I was definitely something I wanted to ask you about, but it does feel like podcasting is this open playing field. And I'm not sure how much of the 2.0 stuff you're aware of, but Adam Curry recently has done a lot to make sure that Apple can't go and censor podcasts with that directory that they used to have. I mean, a pseudo monopoly over. So the, the future does seem bright. And on that note, I mean, We've talked to Dr. Andrew Wakefield. We've talked to a lot of the, the guests about, you know, what's been going on the past two years. But how much of your show changed with the, you know, we'll call it the political wave, the influx of people that got interested in conspiracies because of politics. And then now this, you know, even more so the lockdown influx, you know, people who became super interested in this stuff because of the lockdown. I mean, it's it's. Yeah. I mean, kind of acted in the same way that YouTube algorithm used to be, where people could, you know, people were just surging these videos and and finding information they had never seen before. It seems like that kind of happened on a smaller level with this last couple of years. What are your thoughts? It's a it's a strange thing that's happened right after the YouTube censorship started. There's a scramble to kind of jump to other platforms. A lot of independent content creators were looking for other platforms to go to. And it was just like a scramble. It's like the wild, wild west. It still kind of is. Uh, and it's hard to tell, you know, what's happening right now because my show took off podcast wise after the censorship and after 2016 and on the video side, YouTube, it's like nothing, you know, there's, they, they actually demonetize me on top of shadow banning. I'm still got some weird warning that not, doesn't allow me to do anything that's been on there for years. So as far as that and the major platforms, the censorship is hindering any type of you know growth in that way but it seems like the after especially after 2020 when the whole covid nonsense hit that's when people started really wanting to find out on their own the information and going to independent platforms like rockfin podcasting and i think that's where um, a lot of people are turning to right now is these alternative platforms to get their information from and there's a huge amount of growth in those areas right right now and it's still uh it's still kind of like i said like the wild wild west because this is all so new for everybody in this field i think that they're trying to actually accommodate the growth and try and uh, grow with it at the same time for these independent platforms while at the same time uh, trying to you know compete with the old big like youtube platforms used to do so we're in a very interesting period right now when it comes to all that stuff yeah Yeah. And, you know, I mean, this isn't what people come to our shows for this kind of tech talk, but I think it's incredibly important to to have this kind of discussion because, you know, people who are subscribed to this show through Spotify or Apple, I mean, one night they might, you know, wake up one morning and and our podcasts are not there anymore because Spotify makes that kind of YouTube decision and says, hey, these podcasts are not uh, following our 
you know, self-made policies that don't follow anything other than the rules we make, you know, and, and it's just corporatocracy to me. That's what it feels yeah. like. There's no yeah, freedom. And that's why I'm, I'm always, you know, uh, harping on our audience to, to really support these independent platforms. And not only that, if these independent creators have websites, Go to their websites, go directly to the source to get the information, to get their shows, to get their podcasts. It's just a matter of, you know, plugging a different address in your browser or a different RSS feed and, you know, not relying on the big platforms like YouTube or even some of the podcasts. If you can just plug in the RSS feed directly to that show or content creator, that would be ideal for everybody, you know, and then we could separate ourselves from, you know, this giant corporate media bullshit that's uh, censoring everybody exactly that's uh that's right in line with why we started alt media united i mean all these podcasters out there like myself it doesn't it's not cheap to a host your podcast but then also to host a website too you know so we have a lot of podcasters who are anchor hosted right which is owned by spotify and i always warn them like hey <laughs> that might not be the best deal you're getting everything for free right now but it might not pay off in the end and and there are definitely benefits to hosting your own website and podcast but again this is not the tech show this is the my family think some crazy podcast swap cast with forbidden knowledge news so i gotta oh, ask yeah. you you know going back to the the root of the issue does your family think you're crazy and when did they first catch on because I, I feel like i know the answer but when did it when did it really occur to them that you were different I think as soon as I could speak, walk, or talk, I they figured that one. Yeah, I'd always be pretty different. I, I, I was always uh, the, the kind of black sheep of the family. I didn't like the normal things that my family would was doing, you know, the mainstream stuff, and I, I just kind of stayed to myself. And as a teenager, I fell into, like, the bad crowd and the, never really understood what they were trying to teach us in school. The history never made sense, religion, politics, and I just always questioned it from a young age. And when, by the time my teenage years hit, uh, hit, I just wanted to shut it off. So I started, of course, doing drugs, alcohol, and, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll throughout teenage years through most of my 20s and just wanted to shut off everything because I didn't understand the way the world worked. And uh, I thought it was just you know, the world sucks. So why not, you know, party and, and get high and, uh, and avoid all that shit until, you know, I started waking up a little later in life, but uh, that's, you know, yeah, they, they thought I was crazy from a young age and we were never close. Uh, my, my parents had me uh, when they were a little older and I was a, a little younger. I was always the youngest and the, the black sheep of the family and I always did my own thing. And it wasn't until like, last year that they started coming around and actually they actually listen to my show now and they 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 respect what i do they think some of the stuff is crazy but they're actually questioning some of the stuff which is really encouraging so yeah. that kind of that kind of flipped over a little bit yeah man i love to hear that we've been hearing a lot of that from the guests and i myself am definitely the black sheep of the family and probably families that are, our families are friends with too. I'm the black sheep of those families as well. So you know, there's definitely a lot of, of contentious sort of ideologies, I would say. I, and I don't want to, you know, I'm an East Coast guy, so there's definitely a sort of traditional Catholic kind of thing going on over here. And 
And what I noticed when I was a kid, much to your point, it didn't make sense. And it didn't seem like people even really cared that much about religion because they only did it once a week. And, and, and even if it was only for two hours in that one day a week. So it was like, you know, it really never resonated with me. But I'm wondering what the catalyst was for you to maybe not question things, but what was the first indication that you were onto something? Well, it was, it wasn't one thing. I, I started looking at planetary changes first, and then it led me to CERN and some of the things they were doing there. And that led me to the occult and occult's connections to politicians and, uh, elites and corporations and media celebrities all this stuff just all these rabbit holes led to one to another and it wasn't one single thing it was like all these things at once that i started to look at and i you know i want to run down the street yelling about pedophiles and and corrupt banksters and stuff but i learned real quick that you can't tried to do that to or tell people who aren't ready. So I had to reel that back real quick. But I mean, it was really some of the occult stuff that really got me interested. And that led to, you know, the metaphysical connections, even ufology and things down that road. So that's what really got my eyes open and realizing that, you know, even though most of the population doesn't believe in this stuff and they'll, they'll turn a blind eye when you start talking about the elite sacrificing babies or drinking adrenochrome or something, but you know what? They sure as hell believe in these rituals and there is definite proof that they've done them and they still do these rituals and believe in a lot of this occult stuff. So that is your first indication that you should be looking into this stuff, you know? I would agree, man. Yeah, 100%. So were there any, I mean, you mentioned that very familiar feeling of just like, you know, being chicken little, the sky's falling, you got to warn everybody. And ultimately... You realize like, hey, I I can only change myself, can't change other people, can't change what other people think. But that leaves this sort of room for self-discovery. And I think I heard you mention this with your conversation with Joe, which I definitely think people should check out and get that full story. We won't rehash it here unless you're willing. But, you know, you go and you, you go within to discover yourself and... It might not be through an occult ritual or ceremony, but it seems like psychedelics, or at least some of them, have these occult aspects that somehow, some way facilitate these moments of inner discovery. And that's certainly true for you. Am I wrong? Oh yeah, that's that's definitely true, and it is. It's 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 quite a lengthy story, but if you want, I can give you the the kind of cliff notes of how this all occurred because this was a big shifting point in my life, and it didn't really start with psychedelics. It started with meditation, and kind of uh, the psychedelics got woven into it a little bit later. Okay, but it was it was about two years ago now, and the show had the podcast. It's started to take off a little bit. I was in no way ready to make this my career. I was not making enough money off of the podcast to, to break off from my day job at the time. Not nearly enough. Just, you know, I was making a few hundred a month off of the podcast, which was like, you know, a little bit extra for, you know, groceries or whatever each month. So I wasn't even considering making this my career at this time. This was two years ago or a little, almost two years ago. And I had just gotten out of a bad relationship and I had a terrible day job. It was, it was a good job. I mean, it was a nice corporate 
you know, cushy paying job, but I wasn't happy there. I hated it. And, you know, I hated the dealing with the people I was working with and I hate, I just, I didn't believe in what I was doing and I wanted to make, you know, I wanted to do this full time, but I wasn't ready to admit that I could do that. And it was, it was a very interesting time. So I was going through that bad relationship in the job that I hated trying to make this podcast thing work. And, you know, I, we eventually, I eventually broke it off with the, the, the girl I was with. And I just, I, at the same time I was trying to do meditation and this one night I was, I actually had to end up filing a restraining order on this lady because she was a little insane. So that, that added to the stress of, of my situation that was happening. And I was outside talking to somebody about this, this uh, whole situation. And I look up in the sky and I see these, like, I just call it a UFO. It's these three orange flames that are in the sky in a triangular formation going straight up. And I'm just watching it person I'm talking to is oblivious and it it just stops in the middle of the sky and I'm watching I said that's different and all of a sudden just takes off uh, shoots straight up at, at a ridiculous speed and disappears it's gone and I didn't really think much of it. I was like, wow, that was pretty cool. I don't know what it was. It could have been anything. That night I start to meditate and I had a problem with meditation. I could never go uh, too far into it. I could never let myself go. I would always get have this like um, deep seated fear for, I guess, from childhood. I grew up Catholic as well. And there was this childhood dogma like, oh, you're going to contact a demon if you, if you meditate or something like that. You know, some stupid thing that was going on in my mind that was blocking me from going too deep into meditation. But that night I, I just told myself, I got to do this. You know, I'm, I'm super stressed. My life was sucking and I got to get some clarity on things. And I did. I ended up putting like on 432 Hertz tones and just relaxing. And I, I really went deep into meditation and to, to kind of shorten this up a bit, I, I made contact with, with an entity during this meditation session. And I was terrified at first because the way it approached me, it was like a, a, just a blue light. I could not see the entity. I could feel a presence and I could feel this extreme feeling of like love and acceptance. And it was, it was like some kind of drug that I've never felt before. You know, I, I knew I, I thought I loved my mom and dad, but I've never felt this intense feeling of love and acceptance before. And it would get stronger as this blue kind of light would approach my subconscious vision. And then it just started uh, psychically communicating with me. And the communication was instantaneous and I would communicate back with it psychically. And before I could even finish asking whatever this thing was a question, it would have the answer for me. And it was such a, like a beautiful feeling I was getting from this being. And I, I was kind of scared at first. And I asked in the name of Christ, are you good? And before I could even finish the statement, it was like, yes. And just sending me these beautiful waves of energy. And it was such a profound experience just being able to communicate with something that wasn't myself. And it was this knowing that this isn't me that I'm talking to. And the, the information that it was giving me was about myself, about actually this was right after COVID hit. So it, it was communicating to me so that our future was going to start to get bumpy and we were going to experience some things that we had, had not experienced on this planet in a long time and that I needed to prepare myself. And I had a very small task to do in a very collective, large undertaking on this planet that needed to occur to kind of uh, shift our timeline to a correct direction. And it was very profound information. 
just mainly about myself and what I needed to do. And the biggest message was <laughs> quit your job. And I was terrified of that. I was like, man, I'm making good money. I can't just quit my job. Is like, like, they're like, you know what you're doing. You're already doing what you need to do. Just quit your job and do it. I was like, no. <laughs> so this conversation went on for about an hour and I, you know, was arguing with this entity that I'm not going to quit my job. And they're like, yeah, you will. You'll, you'll do it. You'll be fine. And I was like, all right. So it, eventually the communication just faded away. And I needed like confirmation. I was like, what was that? What just happened? Was that like an acid flashback or something? I wanted, I wanted it to occur again. So I tried again the next day. It didn't happen. I might've been trying too hard or I don't know, frustrated. Then the third day I, I tried it again. This time I had an intuitive thought to, to go to my bathtub and do it in water, meditate in water. And I put on the tones, did it in water. And this time it was even faster. I made contact with that entity, and this time I made contact with even more entities. I got the feeling of multiple beings surrounding me, emitting these uh, incredible feelings of love. And all of a sudden, I could, I could sense that I would be able to see these entities. My eyes were closed, and whenever I opened my eyes, I was still in my bathroom in my bathtub, and I closed my eyes, and then I'd be transported to what appeared to be it looked like a ship. It looked like a spaceship of some sort. I was looking out these huge windows into space and there was this metallic floor and they, it looked like they had, um, they had different layers or balconies uh, or, or levels on this ship. And uh, all of a sudden these etheric entities started to appear around me. And uh, some of them look like animal hybrids. Some of them look like, you know, little bird humans or and so one of them looked like a frog and they were all emitting these beautiful feelings of love. They were slightly translucent, kind of looked like little slightly translucent greenish ghost hybrid animal beings. And I know that sounds fucking nuts, but that's, you know, that's what I saw in my mind's eye. And this was before psychedelics. This was before I started, you know, experimenting with that. Uh, I had done psychedelics before as a kid, but not in a spiritual manner and I never experienced anything like that. And this time was just through meditation and wow. it was very profound. These entities, you know, started to communicate with me again, just giving me more information, asking me if I was ready to accept whatever task I had on this planet. Uh, I don't remember some of the exact things that were said. It was, it was very profound and I came out of it. And for the rest of that day, just remember getting downloads of information. You got to do this. You got to read this. You got to start doing this. Quit your job, quit your job, quit your job. You know, that kept on running through my head. And again, I came out of that and I wanted more proof. I was like this, I got to do this again. This was, you know, amazing. And there was still a part of me that doubted it. The final day that this occurred without any psychedelics or anything, I had like severe stomach pain that day. And I, I was in such pain, I couldn't even get out of bed. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to meditate, see what will happen. And I got in contact with my this entity again while through the meditation and asked if they could heal me <laughs> and uh, i was like can you guys do something about this stomach pain and, and the message i got was well you can do that yourself and as soon as they started like i started getting these feelings of intense love the, the pain was gone and it was very profound and i'd never experienced anything like that before because i have stomach problems and that never went away in the manner that it did. So it was very, it was, it was kind of like a confirmation for me. And another one of the downloaded messages I would got was that um, if I, if I wanted to make instant contact with any of them, psilocybin or any type of these uh, like ayahuasca or psychedelics would 
facilitate an immediate connection. And I found that interesting. So I did. I, I acquired some magic mushrooms. And for a couple of months, about once or twice a month, I would do sessions and make contact with these entities and have little conversations. Uh, I haven't done it in a while, but you know, I would gladly do it again. But that was what kind of changed my life because about four or five months after that, I quit my job just because I couldn't take it anymore. I took out my life savings. I moved to Denver, Colorado, just a place I've always wanted to be near the mountains and started pumping out shows, just doing this full time. And at first it was terrifying. Like the show was not making money, but within a couple of months and diligence and just uh, manifestation, it started happening. Like one day I looked at our account and I was able to, to pay rent. I'm like, holy shit, we can pay rent this month. <laughs> and then the next month I'm like, ah, we can eat as well as pay rent. And it just, you know, got better and better. And it was amazing. You know, I was, I'm so grateful to be where I am and I owe it all to pushing myself to have that experience because I was ready for it. You know, I wanted to have that experience and I was ready to, to go to the next level with my spirituality and my, you know, physical existence here. And I kind of just pushed myself to do it. So yeah, that's what happened there. Wow. Yeah. And thank you for, for sharing that again. Yeah. Of course. I'm sure you've told that story many times and it is worth <laughs> telling because it's that like intergalactic teach a man to fish type thing you know these beings come to you and they have this experience with you but their message isn't like it's not i guess unconsensual it's very consensual and it's very much like hey you're meant to do this without our help but if you need any help just ask you know there's no intervention i guess that's the word that i was looking for and you well, I have a, um, a greater understanding that they're they're kind of like a cosmic family, like our, our spirit guides, uh, mm. part of our, part of our ancestry, part of our higher selves, just part of something in our DNA, you know, cosmic ancestors is the best way that I can describe it, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And, and when you bring to mind or when you describe the, you know, glowing animals, I mean, it brings to mind this concept of spirit animal, which for me has never manifested in an ethereal way. I've, yet to have any visions on that level, but red-tailed hawks have a huge synchronistic, at least symbol in my life. They've become that, especially listening to podcasts. And I'd have this thought over and over as I was delivering packages for Amazon, the worst, that like I could be doing this, you know, I could be doing a podcast. And for whatever reason, I just wasn't you know, nothing, nothing was stopping me other than myself. And I would see these red tailed hawks all the time. And it, always at those moments when I was thinking I should do this. And sure enough, I start doing it. And Michael Wan, I think he's been on your show before you've spoken with Michael oh, yeah. Wan. One day yeah. I'm talking to Mike on the phone, just driving my car and I'm driving and I look up ahead. It looks like there's a fox in the road and we drive a little further, not a fox. It's a red-tailed hawk just, like, you know, taking on some roadkill. And I drove within, you know, a foot of this red-tailed red hawk and just look, looked him in the eyes while Mike was on the phone. And to me, that was, like, a huge sink because then uh, a couple months later, Mike and I started doing uh, a podcast together called Your Handbook for the Apocalypse. So I completely resonate with 
what you've said there. And yeah, I think it's really inspiring. People hit me up all the time saying, Hey, I want to start a podcast. Thanks for doing what you do. And I'm sure you get that all the time because this is the, this is the new oral tradition. You know, this is the way that we are meant to learn. And I think it's so interesting to see how the other realms, as you put our family are higher, you know, the families, wherever they are, I'm still kind of <laughs> at a loss for words on how to perfectly describe yeah. it, but oh, they're, yeah. they're you know, encouraging this kind of thing very clearly because you have, you know, however many hours of, of really awesome information out there on the internet available to people. And I mean, seems like they're benefiting from that, right? I mean, what, what else have you learned since doing this show that's kind of resonated with that initial inspiration? Well, oh man, I've learned, I learned something every day doing this show. One of the, the biggest things that I'm kind of into lately is positivity, the power of positive thinking and living without fear and not participating in some of the bullshit that's happening. I think there's, you know, there's, there's a couple of different timelines going on right now. There's one where people are living in fear and, and their lives are crumbling into shit because they're, they're letting fear consume them. And fear is like one of the biggest, it's one of the biggest problems we're facing in society, especially right now. And it's one of the biggest tools being used by the powers in control to, to keep us where they want to keep us. And I've learned that if you, if you just kind of go by your own timeline, worry about your own life, spread positivity, be happy, don't participate in the bullshit that they're trying to show you on TV. Turn off your TV. Don't watch the TV. Go outside and look at the sky, you know, go for a walk, talk to nature. Nature will tell you more uh, reality than the fucking TV will. I, I, I think that one of the biggest things I've learned is just to follow your own path and not worry about what anyone else is doing or thinking. And, you know, as selfish as it sounds, you got to focus on you before you can do anything for anyone else and get your shit ready because that's, that's really all there is, is your existence because that's it. You're not living in anyone else's existence. And if you're not going to take care of yours, what else is there really? And I think that uh, once people kind of start focusing on their own path and realize that if their path is positive and pure and full of love, then it will cause a ripple into other people's timelines and other people's paths. And hopefully it could, uh, it could manifest a better reality for everyone. And that's just, that's one of the biggest things that I've learned. Yeah. Yeah, no. And I, I've felt the synchronicity through feeling positive, thinking positive, and then acting on those opportunities that come synchronistically. Because as you put it, you know, who's going to love you if you don't love yourself? Or who's going to take care of you if you don't take care of yourself? And when you start to do that, those opportunities come, you know, by the dozens and some even knock at your door, you know. But I guess my question really was more aiming at, like, have you spoken with anybody who has kind of confirmed that experience, like met other experiencers who have oh, yeah. maybe even interacted with similar beings? Yes, <laughs> dozens. You know, one, I, I, I immediately got on the phone with a couple of experiencer friends of mine after it happened and, you know, got 
extreme confirmation, you know, just very similar things that happened to them. But not only that, some of the, the messages that were given, I had a psychic friend that had actually witnessed this happen before it happened. And he told me about it. It just all kinds of confirmations that this was, this is a real phenomenon, but the most important thing is it's a very personal phenomenon and different for each person. And that's why I, I think that it'll, it'll never be understood in the mainstream and people that ask for proof or, you know, want to see proof on a grand scale, like, you know, in a laboratory or something like they're not, they're not going to get that because I've come to realize this is not only a very personal, but it's a very spiritual experience. No matter what your experience, whether you're being taken you know, on a ship by an alien or you're talking to an angel, I think it's all part of the same phenomenon. And I think it's all a part of having, giving us a better Understanding of ourselves and our lives. You know, for example, if you get abducted by an ET and they're doing experiments on you, and I think that this is all a something to to wake up humanity right now and get us realizing that we're part of something bigger than ourselves, but we each experience it in a different way. And I think whatever way it manifests is whatever way we're ready to handle it at the time. Like if we're into aliens, it may manifest as an alien abduction. If we're into angels or or demons, it may manifest in that way. And our state of mind probably dictates whether it's going to be positive or negative. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, after speaking with this gentleman who I noticed you also had on your show and thank you for doing that because this is someone who, up until I interviewed him, I don't think he had done any podcast interviews, at least in the past couple of years, Peter Shampoo. And towards the end of our conversation, he mentioned in a really disconcerted way, Archons. And I found obviously, you know, Archome, Geometry, Archon, He's that's what his whole book's about, is about Arcs. And foolishly, I didn't really ask him uh, anything about the Archons, but I think it was really interesting and a little chilling to hear it from someone who's studied the, you know, ley lines and the grid as much as he has that, you know, he has a, a sense that there is maybe a malevolent force out there. And much to the point of like, you know, the light beings not intervening, it seems like there is a little bit of a battle between the dark and the light, but the light can't just come here and and conquer the darkness for us. We have to do that ourselves. Is that similar to what you found? Yeah, for sure. I I think that you're you're 100% spot on. I think that these entities cannot physically intervene. They can't force us to do anything. They can't, you know, make these changes that they want themselves in our lives. So I think that they have to whisper in our ears and maybe encourage us and then do other things to get us to do either their bidding or realize that, you know, we have our own free will and have our own destinies and, and, and should make our own decisions. You know, the negative entities may be here to, you know, uh, to, for service to self and they want, they want a certain reality and they can't, the only way they can manifest it is by whispering in uh, the ears of people who 
are resonating on the same frequency as them and maybe have made contact with them on a certain level or, you know, certain bloodlines, generational families that have this negative frequency entities attached to them in some way. And on the, the other side, these, these entities of light, if you choose to contact them and if you're ready and you seek them out, they can in, in turn uh, give you information to help yourself out. I think that's probably how it, it, it works, so, you know, kind of like a prime directive type thing. Indeed, yeah. Now, going back to Peter, I mean, just based off the fact that we both interviewed him, it's a mutual interest that I don't get to, you know, share with many people. Have ley lines or like the energy of the land, there's a proper term for it. I, I always forget it. Has that played a significant role in your life? Is that a new subject to you? Or have you experienced that kind of energy in possibly the place where you experienced these initial experiences? Where there's, Was there any sort of geographic features to that experience? That's an interesting question. I never thought about that. It is a relatively new topic for me. And I know at the time I was in South Louisiana and there is a huge native culture down there. There's mounds very close to where I was staying there. I mean, so it's very possible there could have been some kind of electromagnetic earth energy involved. I couldn't say for sure. And I never really experienced it firsthand, but I do find it super fascinating, especially if you look at areas that have concentrated high strangeness, like Skinwalker Ranch, mm. Blind Frog Ranch, Mount Shasta, Sedona, Arizona, all these places that seem to have like concentrations of UFO, UFO sightings, Bigfoot, paranormal activity, and they coincide with these high energy places of electro electromagnetisms or ley lines where these ley lines cross directly. And I find that super interesting that it could be because of this mass of energy in from inside the earth that could be opening up a sort of portals in these areas and allowing these entities to pop in and out of our existence so that's just my theory of what could possibly be going on in some of those areas attached to, to ley lines and then these high energy uh places yeah well and also you know the mississippi River comes to mind too, being like the border yes. of Louisiana there on, on what is it, the eastern side. And, and also, you know, this kind of odd voodoo culture that made its way from Haiti and, and possibly from Africa up to Louisiana. I think there's a lot of elements at play there that could have created the atmosphere for that experience. i tell you what, man, the South is dense. It has some dense energy. I really had to get out of here. Like I lived in the South almost my whole life in South Louisiana, then South Florida, even in South Florida, the energy is pretty, pretty dense and pretty low in a lot of places. But you're right. There's a lot of negativity attached to a lot of places, especially when you get close to New Orleans. You can, I, I can, you know, definitely feel the energy, especially after my experiences, uh, something kind of blew open inside me and I, I became more intuitive. I was able to sense people's feelings and emotions a little bit more after and pick up on energy from places after I, I had my, those experiences, um, with my guides, I guess you could say. But yeah, I, that's one of the big reasons why I wanted to get out of the South in Louisiana is because that 
after that experience, I couldn't take the feeling this dense energy all the time. And it got stronger after that incident. And I was like, man, this is too, you know, this is too low vibe for me. And uh, out here in the mountains and in Colorado, we're we're out at uh, probably going to move out near Loveland here soon, which is out closer to the mountains is beautiful out here. And the energy is amazing. Very, very high vibe energy. And I can feel a major difference. So yeah, you're definitely right about that. That's beautiful. Yeah, I've been to Denver once or twice back in 2016, as a matter of fact. And I remember the Shining Lotus metaphysical store being just this huge repository. Like I'd never been at that point in my life. I'd never been to a bookstore that had categories like theosophy and then like a whole category about Freemasonry. Like for the most of my life, it was like one section, a cult, that's it, nothing, you know, nothing outside of that section. But yeah, yeah. there's there's a lot of really interesting people a lot of interesting sites up there in Denver. I'm sure you know all about the airport there. But you yeah. did you did mention Blind Frog Ranch. I'd never heard of that before. It, I, maybe that's not in Colorado, but can you tell us more about that? That is a newer one that they're looking into. I believe that this one is in Utah as well, in southern Utah. It's just like Skinwalker. They've got all kinds of crazy concentrated paranormal activity, UFOs, and it's in, it's been caught on camera at this ranch. Uh, gentleman, I, his name escapes me, but he recently did a pre- presentation about it at the recent UFO conference in Laughlin. And I think his presentation is available online at their website, but it's, it was really fascinating. Some of the stuff that's occurring there. And he's just a regular guy that owns the ranch and, and witnessed some of this stuff and took pictures, but it's mainly a lots of poltergeist activity, lots of gray aliens seen around there, uh, strange fuzzy white Bigfoot and lots of UFOs and weird lights in the sky. Fuzzy white Bigfoot. That's interesting. (laughs) Maybe they're climbing uh, through some subterranean cavern from the Himalayas or something. That's (laughs) that's interesting. But the frog, though, I, I did find that point interesting because of... And maybe you didn't mention this here today, but you, you did mention, at least in the conversation I had listened to, that one of the entities that visited you had the appearance of a frog. And I found that so fascinating because we have multiple different species of frog that have psychedelic, I, I guess, chemicals is, or, or biochemicals. Some of them are, are in the form of venom. Some of them are like secretions, but multiple different frogs on the earth have these psychedelic chemical aspects to their biology. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that is interesting. And the frog actually never appeared when I was using the psychedelics. Right. It was just the, the first time. After, whenever I was, I was using psilocybin, it was different types of entities still giving me the same types of feelings, but never was the same. It was always different types of kind of animal hybrid beings that, would, that I would encounter along the way. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, maybe this is only because I had just been reading a book about it, but it kind of rings like the fairy lore type stuff where like the spirits of the the forest, you know, like frogs and toads and whatnot. But yeah, very interesting stuff, man. I I wonder, you know, given this show and, and everything that you've put out, 
Are there any topics that you feel like, you know, you haven't gotten to yet that you're still like any areas that you're like really unsatisfied in and you want to get to like, what can folks expect the direction uh, of forbidden knowledge news to forbidden knowledge news has always been all over the place. I mean, there's not anything that I don't cover. There's probably not anything I wouldn't cover. (laughs) I would go, you know, any direction, anywhere. I'm not scared to go anywhere, but I, I will be honest. I've only done like half of a flat show, a flat earth show. There's just been something about the flat earth topic that I find polarizes people so much. And I don't like the negativity that it brings. Like I find it a fascinating topic. and I find it, you know, it's, 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 it's a great topic. It's very interesting. And it's super interesting that no astrologers and astrophysicists will debate some of the, the points that a lot of flat earthers make, but you know, I'm not a flat earther and I'm not, you know, a die hard globe around or whatever you want to call it. You know, I really don't, you know, I don't really subscribe to either. I'm more of like, this is a simulation and we're in some sort of a holographic reality type thing. But I, I just find that the negativity that surrounds the flat earth thing just kind of gets a bit much, but I am not opposed to doing a flat earth show. And I, I would love to actually uh, have like a flat earth debate like Sam has had on some of his shows. I, find, I think that would be really fun. But yeah, that's, that's probably one of the only things that I haven't really delved into that much lately. And it's not for any other reason than I don't want people to be killing each other in our chat room. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I hear it. Yeah. I, I'm definitely open-minded to all of it. And, and I do, I don't really particularly like the flat earth comments that we get in the YouTube videos that we do put out, but whatever they they're entitled to their opinions. But you know, I I'm glad you bring that up because I find theories like the electric universe model and, and like the, maybe the ancient aspects of these bodies in the sky, whether we can visit them or not. You know, I find that stuff so fascinating that when I hear people tell me that it's all you know, a dome and there's nothing on the other side of it. It's just like cut throughs uh, and light, you know, it just, it feels more interesting to go and like, look at David Talbot's work and, and like dive into that arena rather than just shut it all off as possible as impossible and, and in a, a NASA fabrication. So that being said, you know, what are your thoughts on this? Like Saturn sort of, movement whether it's real or not it seems like a lot of finger pointing has been uh directed at this saturn cult and i've heard it mentioned you know on sam's show i've heard it mentioned on a bunch of different podcasts troy mclaughlin has done a lot of cool research on that but what are your thoughts on on this saturn concept I think that it the the theory holds a lot of water i think that there are a lot of these elite cults that are that are still involved with this saturn worship and i think it it manifests throughout a lot of aspects of what we see in hollywood and the media and even politics and some of the you know hidden messages that they're showing in the news and media i think it it kind of permeates through everything and it's pretty obvious that they're using saturnian imagery and a lot of these cult aspects that they're throwing them in our face and that they do that they do subscribe to this Saturn worship and they probably uh, are, are a lot deeper involved in it than many would like to to admit and I, I think that it holds a lot of water and I think that that we should be doing a lot more research into what goes involved with these elite practices and what kind of occult ancient practices are they involved with right 
right? And you know, you again with the 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 cults, the elite groups, they are so shrouded that you often get like in that same flat earth kind of vein you get these camps that are formed where they're like no it was only the freemasons that are responsible for it or no the rosicrucians are the only people that could have done it and you know that being said do you fall towards maybe blaming it on one group or another is there one group that's come up more than any other or is it just like that whole logic is not going to lead anywhere anyways well, I, I, yeah, I don't think they would lead anywhere, but I think it's it's a combination of a lot of, of many groups, really, that are kind of, I don't want to say battling, but they're fighting for control over certain aspects of humanity. And I think that these are all just royal, royal families that are from these ancient bloodlines that feel they have the divine right to rule throughout the ages and they've been inbred into royalty and and, uh, into ruling and into these positions for hundreds and thousands of years and I don't think they're ever going to give up these positions and I don't think these families always get along necessarily and I don't think they're all of one group you know I think there are different groups around the world that are very wealthy and very elite and have occult beliefs and different uh manners of getting their agendas across and i think that yeah they they come together to make certain decisions at times but i think they always they that they also battle at times and they also fight each other and don't always agree and i don't think it's a straight up pyramid type structure i think it's more of like a a battle royale type situation where these elite families don't always have the same agendas for humanity and you know they might they might be fighting at times yeah so i think that's more more likely than just a straight up pyramid structure i would agree with you there i mean i was having a conversation yesterday and it kind of came up like oh well the media is not as simple as one company owns the media it's it's that simple in the united states six companies own all of the media subsidiaries but you know when it comes to this global contingency theory i just don't subscribe to it i think it's much more complicated than that and i think there's probably countries where you know we never learn the truth about what they really believe in because we're only getting the propagandized version of these countries you know one one country that comes to mind is russia like there's an author you might have interviewed him gary lockman who's written a book called holy russia and it goes into the whole spiritual culture of russia you know, and, and what do we hear about Russia? We hear they're dumb brutes, you know, and they have no, you know, communism destroyed their culture. And, and you read a book like Gary's and you find there's so much going on there that you just wouldn't you wouldn't see. So I don't know. I'm kind of losing what I what I was. Yeah, that, I mean, you're right. They just want to keep they want to keep our mindset simplified mm. as to what the reality is of what other countries cultures are and what's really going on around the world they want to keep us inside this little americanized box uh, so we don't so we think that we're still the best biggest best and baddest you know military industrial corporate complex that there is on the planet so yeah of course they do that yeah well and then that being said what are your thoughts on you know these things that we see in the sky i mean you've had some odd experiences through meditation uh, a lot of people that i've talked to say that maybe there are 
aliens out there running these craft. Some people talk about, no, these are just a, a breakaway civilization of, of different human beings who are you know, trying to give us the impression that it's some off-world entity. What are your thoughts on, on that whole can of worms? <laughs> that is a can of worms, man. I, it, it, my thoughts on this change constantly. It's constantly either evolving or devolving or um, going to complete shit on this because it, it's, a, it's a deep topic. And I think that it's something that we may never understand, but I think there's definitely a lot of intentional misinformation going on about the whole UFO topic, especially right now. Me personally, I think, like I said earlier, especially contact experiences are so personal. It's not ever going to be something that a bunch of people would experience or like on a grand scale, like a UFO is going to land on the White House and aliens are going to get out and present themselves. I'm not sure about the whole alien thing. I don't, I don't know if these are little green men coming from across the galaxy on their ships. I don't know if it's even a physical phenomenon at all. I'm wondering if it's some sort of just grand intelligence that can manifest itself through our consciousness in different ways and cause us to see whatever it wants us to see like a like a grand type of trickster entity mm. that could manifest as a ufo in the sky or manifest as a gray alien or a bigfoot or whatever it wants to be or it could be you know part of a program part of this simulated reality where you know it, it's it's programmed to every once in a while pop up a ufo in the sky or it could be like i said you know part of a, a grand intelligence I think a lot of what we're seeing in the sky, though, is ours, is uh, from our military industrial complex. A lot of it is drones, and it's just being mistaken or intentionally put out there to confuse the whole UFO topic, because the, there's a lot of there's a lot of fear surrounding the UFO topic. Not not with like the people, but I don't know if you've you've ever heard like the congressmen and senators, especially the old school ones, saying that it's demons and they know for a fact that it's demonic, and we got to watch out. For for this stuff but you know when you hear stuff like that it's kind of like okay well if you know for a fact it's it's demons or anything that's not human shouldn't we be looking into it anyway i mean you know <laughs> if it's something other than you know what we consider normal reality we should just leave it alone and you know i don't know i don't understand you know what the mentality of you know our, our government is with this disclosure stuff you know you have half of them saying it's demonic and we shouldn't touch it and the other half wondering if it's a threat and then the other half saying it's a you know the swamp gas so I don't trust anything coming out of mainstream disclosure, and I wouldn't advise anyone to pay it uh, any attention at all because I don't think we're ever going to get any information out of that. I think a lot of the old school UFO researchers are kind of uh, stuck on the nuts and bolts path, and they're afraid to explore any other kind of spiritual or consciousness aspects of this. I think there's too many other connections to paranormal activity and a lot of the metaphysical unexplained things and non-physical things that occur surrounding abductions and contact experiences to where I, I'm questioning if it's a physical experience at all and if it's, it's somehow just connected to uh, a, 
a greater intelligence that we can't perceive. And the other thing I lean towards is, is just an interdimensional phenomenon where there are different realities surrounding us at all times that we can't see. And there's life in those dimensions. It just beyond the spectrum of our vision. And there's entities that can pop in and out of those existences into our reality at, at will. And they do. And there's a whole spectrum of life. And that would explain you know, aliens, angels, demons. So that's the kind of two options that I, I, I bounce back and forth between. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it would, it makes sense as to what Philip K. Dick did. I don't know how familiar you are with him, but that came up on a recent podcast I did. And Philip K. Dick, um, when asked how he was inspired to write all these books, he would always explain it as I didn't, you know, come up with this stuff. I actually experienced these things in another realm, you know, whether he was dreaming, whether he was like going somewhere mentally, but it does seem like consciousness is the key. And very well said there, because it seems like it is intimate, as you pointed out. And you never quite can explain these things to another person because as soon as you start to explain some of these more extreme experiences to somebody who has no familiarity, it just sounds crazy to them, quite frankly, you know, hence yeah. the name of the show. But, uh, you know, I've never had any experiences that totally stand out. So it was interesting hearing that your experience happened after you'd started the podcast. Is that correct? You, you kind of became familiar yeah. with this stuff in this way? Uh, yeah, I never had any paranormal personal experiences that I remember. I mean, I had unusual probably amount of missing time as a kid. I don't know if that's anything to do with the, the amount of drugs I did as a teenager. But yeah, I, I never had anything strange or paranormal happen before that experience that I kind of sought out myself. Now, when you say missing time, you mean like memories you can't account for? Or do you mean like other people? Like, I don't remember <laughs> a huge chunk of my childhood, like uh, years, I don't remember which is very strange yeah well and then you know given what you're saying about reality jumping i mean have you ever pondered whether you you know split realities at some point and then you know that that i pondered uh, that yeah. <laughs> i mean sure. i think that's that's what we might be dealing with you know in that butterfly effect kind of way like your choices in this now moment you know that's why we say at the end of the episode enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now because somebody might be listening to this at three in the morning somebody might be listening to this in the morning uh, when they wake up. So I can't say good night, folks, you know, but this, you know, this is a confluence of realities. This like nexus point happening right in front of you. And based on what choices you make, you could end up, you know, who knows in a, <laughs> in an underground world, like they say in the, in the fairy tales, you know, you eat, you eat the fairy food and you end up in underground, you know, <laughs> it definitely feels yeah, like kind of like, um, one of the manifestation techniques that I learned to use. If you, you know, if you want to put yourself in a better reality, imagine that each door you walk through is a different reality, but a better one. Even if you're going into a shower that when you exit the shower and you're, you're clean, you open the shower curtain, you're entering a new reality, a better one where things are just a little better than they were before. And maybe you don't have the, this problem that you had, or maybe you don't have this worry that you were worrying about before. And each, each time you walk through a door, go in a shower, walk through through, you know, a different room, uh, your reality gets a little better. And that's uh, something that I, I, you know, a little technique that I've learned and actually practice and hey, man, it works. It works for me at least. Yeah. Yeah. We've had uh, 
similar advice from Brandon Thomas, host of the Expanding Reality podcast. We had a shower portal is what he called it. So yeah, that's very interesting. I, you know, I've had some experiences recently looking into the stone structures in New England. And it seems like this concept was built into these structures because these sites, they're made for a couple people to go inside of, you know, these little like stone hut type stone chambers is actually the proper word for them. And to me, it feels like, you know, you walk in, you go into this dark, cold sort of, but comfortable spot the sun comes through because a lot of them are mag are astronomically aligned with certain holes in the chamber so the light will come through on certain days and then you walk out in this new reality you know that's really what comes to mind when i see these structures but oh man i'm losing oh okay so ross ben you're familiar with ross right when i went to philadelphia he showed us this really strange tomb the tomb of the the hermit, right? And now it's kind of like haunted and spooky and there's like a bad aura around it. But it's to that same point that you're making and you go into one reality and you step out in a new reality. You know, these like sort of, I think they're called the hermit's chambers in the case of what Ross showed us. But up here in New England, they're called stone chambers and they're very interesting things you can find just in the forest in certain forests. Oh, yeah, man. I find it fascinating how malleable reality can be and manifestation techniques. You know, if you if you're dabbling in that and you can witness the the power that it has, it, it's incredible. Even, you know, just some of the, the positive thinking, you know, and the way you treat other people and you can see that the things that will start to occur the following days and just the ripples and energy that can come back. It, it's very profound and you know a lot of people you know think that's that's woo woo bs but start practicing yourself start you know just believing in a different reality and then thinking that things are going to be better and don't focus on the negative and you know you'll see some profound changes in your life for sure thank you yeah is there any other manifestation tips you can share with us well I, the only other thing that I've I've used is I guess you could kind of say it's it's like a form of, of sigil magic where you would focus on an image and attach it to something you desire and then kind of keep that image and desire in your mind for a prolonged amount of time and it'll eventually manifest into something you know the, it could be attached to money or love or whatever but I have used that to 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 for for money before when I was very low in finances and terrified of not being able to pay my rent whenever I first moved out here. And it's, uh, you know, just basically putting your intent out there to manifest something to come back to you in your life. And it, it, it works. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I remember learning this technique called the bowl meditation. I, I think it was from Greg Carlwood's show. I've tried it just in the van while I, as I heard it, I'm like, all right, pause, let me try it. And I'm, meditated i visualized this bowl and i think driving facilitates a sort of meditation maybe just for me but that definitely helped and i visualized this bowl much like you said you know an image and i saw a coin falling into the bowl and i didn't really have much intention other than i just wanted to try and see if it would actually work and a part of what the man uh who was on the 
show that day, I forget his name, the guest, I think it was Mike Centenia, but I could be wrong. And he said, you know, just forget about it. Hold this image in your mind, but then let it go, you know, forget about it. And it was funny, a couple weeks later, I worked at a farmer's market as well as being a delivery guy at this time. And somebody walks by our table, looks at the bread, and I'm looking over here doing something, and I hear like a, a clunk, like a, like a heavy clunk on the table. And I look down, and I swear, Chris, there's a, a piece of gold on the table, like a chain, you know, around it. You know, one of these sort of, I think they're like banknotes or something, but either way, my friend and I were working at this farmer's market stand. We're like, what the heck? Who would leave something like this behind? So we held on to it. And my buddy was like way more afraid that somebody was going to come back than me. I was like, let's take it to the pawn shop and sell it. You know, he's like, no, 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 we have to hold on to it. So I, we held on to it for like three weeks. Nobody came back to claim it, go to the, the jewelry shop. And they gave us 1600 bucks for that thing, man. Oh man. And, and that to me, I was like, I didn't connect the dots until afterwards, you know, it was one of those hindsight type things. So yeah. I guess that was one of the instances in my life where manifestation was like, oh, wow, this works. And there's a, there's a sort of a method to it. It doesn't always work the way you think it's going to work, yeah, yeah. but there's sort yeah. of a method. Definitely, definitely so. And I would also say there's, there's a lot, it has a lot to do with your intent behind what you're, what you're asking for, because I'm sure it can have a lot of negative consequences. I mean, you know, my intent has always been, you know, towards good things and towards positive things for other people as well. So, you know, I never tried to, to manifest any harm or anything negative. I'm sure that doesn't work out for the best for people. Yeah. Yeah. No, the old, I think it's like a Wiccan phrase, you know, whatever you put out comes back thrice you know three yeah. times so if you're putting out bad you're gonna get three times yeah. as worse as you gave to somebody else but yeah i definitely i definitely feel like in this space that you've pioneered you know a really awesome show in um there is that sort of looming like it's almost like you're walking a tightrope like you can go the black pill direction and the show can be kind of one way or you can stay on the the hope and like exploration discovery you know i don't want to say light because you do get into heavy topics but there's never you know you i can tell just by talking to you here that there's no you know doom and gloom aspect to forbidden knowledge news no even even the dark deep topics we're talking like you know say i have a guest talk about depopulation i always try to offer solutions for that at the end of the show to counter what we we just discussed and you know try and add a little glimmer of hope for for the audience at the end because i have hope you know and i i i would hope every everyone would you know right on yeah and you should man you definitely have showed us some tips and uh, some advice here today on the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast and the Forbidden News, Forbidden Knowledge News podcast, because it's a swap cast, folks. So thank you if you're listening to this show for the first time. I hope this isn't stuff you've heard Chris talk about before. But uh, yeah, man, this has been fun. I, I appreciate you joining me. I always ask the question, does your family think you're crazy? You answered that one. I guess maybe, you know, ending on that solutions based note any anything in mind like for folks any solutions that you've come across recently i know you talked to jim gale that would be a solution i give people you know <laughs> turn your yeah, turn your yard sure. into a garden but anything else yeah. like that on that side of things that you've come across lately 
Yeah, I mean, just basically become as self-sufficient as you can. Just just like you were mentioning, maybe, you know, if you can get your garden, if you have any way of not relying on the government, not relying on any handouts, not relying on any of the institutions that we currently have. If, uh, you know, if you can become as independent and uh, independently sustainable as possible, that's probably a great idea right now. Uh, and other than that, I would just say just what I was talking about earlier, follow your own timeline. Don't participate with the bullshit. Don't, that's the simplest thing that I can, you know, the simplest solution that I think we can offer everyone right now is if you don't participate, they don't have any way of continuing these negative agendas that's going on right now. And I think that's the easiest solution for a lot of things that we're facing. Just follow your own timeline, make it as positive as possible. Don't pay attention to the bullshit. Go with your gut. Your gut, your gut uh, is your second brain there. So that's, that's a big one. And that's probably the, some of the best advice that I can give people. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. And yeah. I appreciate you sharing your time with us here today and uh, yeah with that folks thank you for listening to the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast have a great moment wherever you are in the now welcome back brother what's going on dude not much here on the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast we're doing a new thing partly inspired by what you're doing i i kind of either put them in the intro or the outro depending on the conversation but yeah i just wanted to mix things up and not find one co-host but maybe have multiple different people uh join me on the show and i think as it moves forward we might even have you know, obviously with way more of a heads up because this was like last minute, you know, have you on as a co-host for certain guest interviews if you'd be up for that. Yeah, dude, that's dope. It's a good idea. Thank you, man. Yeah, so I figured, you know, given our podcast in history, you'd be a shoe in for this segment and you've had me on your show for similar ones, but this is a little less formal than yours. I know, I know you always prepare me with topics and this is very unprepared and off the cuff so right off the bat thank you brother for joining me here and uh, how's your day been so far oh dude it was good man we just talked about some very interesting stuff with the fourth reich and the nazis and the alien program that they were running and potentially like how this is carrying out through like current times so it's fascinating dude that stuff that I think a lot of people are kind of scared to talk about, you know mm. what I mean? But it's very interesting. Yeah. What and you I, do? What's going I, on with you? I've been great. I actually had a very interesting conversation earlier as well. Someone who I think has been on your show before, Ron Weed. That episode might be out. After this one, this episode that you're joining me for, I interviewed Chris Matthew, and he is the host of Forbidden Knowledge News. And it was a cool conversation. We got into a little bit about his journey. But other than that, I've been good, man. Just chilling. I'm in, I'm very interested in what you just brought up, though, about possible Nazis in modern times. I mean, I guess they are from modern times, but present time. Uh, because I was recently listening to an interview with Walter Bosley, who talks about a very similar subject. I don't know if he goes so far as to say that they're still 
calling them Nazis, but his theory is that there's like a breakaway civilization. I don't, again, I don't know if he calls them Nazis, but they are German and they are associated with the Nazis. So it's interesting. I was just learning about that. Yeah, dude, it's weird. It's weird to try to see what the Nazis were actually doing because obviously they get nothing but a bad reputation and they should, right? Obviously, they what they were doing was horrible. Terrible, yes. But, it, I mean, beyond horrible. One of the worst things that's ever gone down in history on record, right? But they were incredible engineers and and that's what there's this serious dichotomy to what they were doing and, and yeah obviously i'm not supporting any of the shit that they were doing but they it seems that a lot of our technology today kind of comes from what they were up to um, obviously the stuff that is put to the forefront is like you know population control and you get a lot of negative things and it's, it's even, it's very, very sketchy for me to talk about where I feel like, you know, some of the shit that they were doing may have been, obviously they were trying to perpetuate their own race and they were trying to push their own ideals forward. But if they could have had some sort of sense of humanity towards like other people, you know, obviously the Jews and the gypsies and all these other groups, they just fucking hated anyone that wasn't them. They weren't about, and, and that's what's, I think that we see that today, whether you're talking politically speaking or, or whatever. Um, but there is a, a very weird, weird dynamic to that whole empire. And I'm trying to figure out exactly what they were up to. And it's something that's so taboo to talk about. So that, that's one thing that I'm very interested in right now is just, were they up to anything that was potentially good. I mean, not, not the Nazis as a whole, right? I mean, even saying it out loud, it's very, very it's, it's weird to say, but the technology that they were, that they were partaking in was potentially world changing. But yeah, dude, they're, they're, these guys were, were up to some dark stuff, man. I, I Have you dug into the engineering that was behind the Nazis at all? Yeah, and I do I do understand your point. I don't think people should misconstrue it cuz it's pretty clear that you're not supporting them whatsoever, but you're absolutely right at, with that notion. I mean, people who are aware of what we're told was history know that after World War 1, Germany was a big loser and had, you know, a lot of problems with their industry because in the 1800s, I mean, they were even huge innovators here in America. I mean, I have German descent, not totally, just a small fraction. There was a lot of German immigrants here in America. And as a matter of fact, 65% of the railroads in America were owned by a company, a German banking group called Kuhn Loeb. So, yeah, and, and like a lot of like the companies that we know more infamously that are associated with the Nazis, like IG Farben became a lot of what we see now with like Monsanto, Moderna, these sorts of big chemical companies, you know, after this period in time, yeah, they all got, they all got broken up and, you know, that monopoly that Germany had, you know, you're, <laughs> there's that where there's smoke, there's fire and they were innovating. I mean, they were innovating in world tech, off-world tech you know it's it's definitely fascinating and then the whole bell stuff i mean 
Roman yeah. from Rising from the Ashes podcast just came on the show recently and we did an episode on resonant architecture like architecture that has like a potential energy resonance or acoustic resonance and yeah it's interesting how the bell is kind of like this metaphysical object and it's associated with possibly you know not maybe not just traveling through other realms but connecting just connecting with other realms you know yeah yeah dude and, and i find it interesting too that the go-to insult if you're going against the mainstream narrative it seems that it's very easy to call someone a nazi and then the mainstream will shut you down if if you're deemed a nazi right and the nazi can be someone that is you know saying that all lives matter i mean that's a a nazi statement at this point right according to mainstream so that's just what's interesting i I feel like there is an over and, and the way that i'm i'm trying to break this down is that when, when you're getting into something that may be controversial, you can be called a Nazi, right? And that, I think, is in part to take away from the things that the engineering aspect of that whole ideology back, back then in World War II, right? That was supposedly... Well, let me say this. I think that they were onto some things that were really going to change the world for better or for worse. But I think that, you know, Hitler, the idea of Hitler being a Rothschild, which is, I mean, it's pretty clear that he was, he had some people in his inner circle. This guy, I think Hans Kammler, who was tied in with Werner von Braun, supposedly his supervisor in the whole production of like the V2 rocket and all these things. This is life-changing, world-changing technology. And this technology could be used for good, but obviously when someone has the upper hand in engineering, most of these people are going to use it for bad, unfortunately. I think that that's kind of like human nature, right? It's weird, dude, and and it it just sounds bad coming off my, my mouth. Like, we've been programmed in a way to just be like, no, dude, everything that the Nazis were doing was bad. And it's because of the Holocaust, this tragic, tragic event. And, dude, it's something, man, like, there's something to the stuff that they were doing, dude. It's very weird. And it's a shame that they used all of their knowledge for the negative, right? I mean, like, Heinrich Himmler was really going against Christianity. They were going against Judaism. The whole principle that the United States was founded off of was, like, that Judeo-Christian belief system. And the Nazis knew they were going to lose the war once the United States, which was known as the sleeping giant, once it entered the world, the World War II, if I'm not mistaken, in 1941. And I mean, dude, it's just it's it's one of the most well-documented periods of history is World War II. But yet there's so much that we don't know. I mean, Battle of Los Angeles, that that's one thing that was a couple months after Pearl Harbor. And if I'm understanding it correctly, they thought that this whole situation going down over Los Angeles, this massive aircraft that they were shooting mortars at and trying to take this thing down, they thought this was a Japanese craft. And there's still no real answers to that event itself. 
so that's my idea is like, dude, this, this being so well documented, so many books written about it, so much history is, is based off of what was going on back then. And we just, we, we don't even know the half of it, man. History, as we know, is written by, you know, whoever, whoever wins. Right. So it, it's something that I'm really, really interested in right now. And the conversation that I just had with a couple of dudes right now, Ron from New England, and then uh, Beyond Top Secret Texan, they were breaking it down to where it's like, dude, what what the hell happened back then? And, you know, you and I, we kind of joked around about, you know, the the stigma about even giving the engineering some sort of compliment, right? You, you can't do that. You can't say any of this stuff. So that that kind of lets me know that there was something going on to where it's like, yeah, don't, don't look at this. Don't give them any credit to, to the the technology that they were bringing forward, the anti-gravity stuff that they were into. Um, I think possibly based off of some of Tesla's work. I mean, you know, what do you think about that kind of stuff? I, I mean, yeah, man, I'm totally, there's so much you just laid out there, but on the point of the controversy, I think that just goes part and parcel with the whole everything free energy or anything delving into these realms where they're trying to keep a lid on things, it only adds to their ability to obfuscate and conceal the truth when something extreme and sensational like what she pointed out, the Holocaust also occurs in conjunction. I mean, we are not here to deny or, you know, prove that event. I think that's not our intention at all. But it's weird how anytime you mention that this group, that's the automatic default allegation that's leveled against you. Like, oh, you're a denier. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're talking about something altogether different here. And, you know, I, I just reached over to my uh, bookshelf because I've had this book for a really long time. And I was always fascinated by it because of the title and I was looking into just alchemy at this point in my life. I wasn't really interested in this topic. I was, but just not when I was buying this book. And it's the Philosopher's Stone, Alchemy and the Secret Research for Exotic Matter. And you're like, okay, what's what, what do you mean? How does that relate to the Nazis? Well, in this book, Joseph P. Farrell, who uh, is a very intelligent guy, he makes a lot of connections between Nazi intelligence, the secret space programs, and then obviously American intelligence. We all know, everybody knows Operation Paperclip. But yeah, yeah the, the whole alchemical kind of research and the occult fascination that the Nazis had, I think, and, and it's pretty much based on this kind of research here in this book and other theories I've heard. But I think that, you know, that occult fascination is what, propelled this group the nazis to make these really strange innovations in not just weaponry but transportation whether interdimensional or through space or whatever it is it definitely seems like they were playing around with the type of things to do that and it's funny you bring up the the los angeles battle because you know my mind always goes to the washington flyover and like oh man like if if the nazis you know survived and they were down in, in Antarctica or South America and they had this technology and they were flying around, it would make sense that like maybe they linked up with some other beings or they themselves had technology to make themselves appear like aliens. And then they just like took over the United States under the guise of like 
reptilians and greys or you know even extreme i'm sure other people have made this claim but maybe the nazis were working with those types of beings it's definitely strange but back to the point about the battle of los angeles i've seen that one picture where it almost looks like they're shooting at a zeppelin and uh, i don't know if that's like legit or not but it is interesting because this sonora era club that walter bosley talks about this breakaway civilization that were pretty much all very wealthy german expatriates here in the united states they were playing around with the zeppelins you know and and what walter said that was really fascinating to me was like imagine how little time the model t evolved into like let's say a lamborghini right the difference is is huge like you could drive you know a model t probably 30 miles 40 miles an hour tops a lamborghini can go twice that speed in like a minute you know in less than a minute so you know that same type of innovation scale of progress if applied to the zeppelin could possibly you know if we really understand that there was more to zeppelins than just the gas you know helium making the ship lighter than the atmosphere if there was some sort of free energy device as they evolve that technology you know the vehicle itself is going to get smaller and more efficient it's not going to you know get bigger in size you know like you know sports cars and whatnot you innovate for comfort you innovate for the design the speed all of the different features so what again this is walter's theory and i've been talking about this stuff a lot because i i just got a couple of his books in the mail recently what he says is you know hey maybe the zeppelin was like an early model of what we now see as like a flying saucer and that's why in the 50s there are all these flying saucers moving around because these germans were you know pat or inventing and innovating this type of technology and that's what gave them the confidence to go to war with the world they probably weren't able to defeat you know the entire armies of the allied powers so they had to escape using these ships to places where they could you know build up their defenses for a decade or so and then come back with a you know an even better strategy for invasion and and coercion and you see the whole communist thing unfold after that and i think you know your point about modern times feeling very cold and like these this group is you know at the top of the new world order it makes sense you know like given the evil nature of that group it would make sense that you know this campaign of depopulation and really it's 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 genocide but it's also eugenics you know that's what they really were fascinated with and it does again tie back to the occultic ideas and you know no slight against madame blavatsky i don't think she intended on her work to be interpreted this way but what she described when she wrote the five root races of man that then got interpreted by german occultists to mean that they were the inheritors of this you know and they were the the great race and such and such and so forth the very infamous myth that people hear about Aryan supremacy and yeah I mean it just doesn't it doesn't feel that far-fetched when you look at how there's this huge push for minorities to get the vaccine especially and then obviously people 
in impoverished communities, as a matter what race they are, there's a there's a huge push to get them vaccinated as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. It, the, it, the whole idea about the vaccines tying in with eugenics, it's clear. I mean, there's there's a obvious connection there. You have Margaret Sanger, obviously. I mean, everyone knows. I mean, it's almost hack at this point to bring her up with the the idea that yeah, they set up Planned Parenthood in urban communities, and they try to to I don't know if the the correct term is eugenicize you know certain certain communities. But yeah, you're mentioning books here, dude. I I was doing a little bit of research here based off this book that I had called The Dark Fleet or just Dark Fleet. The oh, by Len Caston. Yeah, Dark Fleet, The Secret Nazi Space Program and the Battle for the Solar System. That's a oh, dude, we should do an episode on that since we both have a copy. Well, and, and that's the thing, man. Like, uh, this is the, some of the stuff that I was looking into, and there's a chapter in the book and completely dedicated to the revenge of Penelope Valkyrie. And it talks about this woman named Penny Brad. And and a quote that she has at the beginning of the chapter is very interesting. She says, every country that has nuclear weapons is part of the program, meaning that this dark, like, archon program that's going on. And she continues saying, Earth is not being run for humanity, but for elites. And they're planning on leaving. We see that going on today. I mean, you have Jeff Bezos and... Uh, Richard Branson and all these people trying to leave Earth, like they're trying to make space travel commercialized. Like this is like the new, you know, hobby for the elites is what it seems. It kind of seems like this dick measuring contest, like who is, who's able to push this thing further. You know, Elon Musk is involved in all this stuff. But to get back to, to finish off her quote is, you know, the elites think that they will be spared because they're allied with the Dracos. And she believes that that's not likely. And again, this is Penny Bradley. And she was abducted in, in her mind at the age of four. And her Nazi handlers just just brutalized her. I mean, it, it, it's just something that's very interesting. So this is kind of the stuff that I'm looking into right now. And yeah, I want to I wanna get through this entire book. But I mean, it starts off talking about the, the Battle of Los Angeles and all these things. And they talk about, you know, the Japanese connection. And you look at... Who's creating, who's engineering the most elite vehicles right now? Or not elite, but just the most efficient, we should say. And this is, I mean, Toyota, Nissan, Mercedes, Lexus. I mean, all these companies are Japanese or German, you know? So obviously they were access powers in World War II. And there's a, there's a serious, serious connection between them and all this esoteric ideology and then, obviously, the Italians were kind of like the secondary party to what they were doing. And they have some incredible engineering, too. Ferrari, uh, or no, Lamborghini, if I'm not mistaken. And then, you know, some some really interesting engineering over Porsche. there. Porsche. What's that? All those cars. Yeah, they're all Italian. I think Ferrari's Italian, too. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I, I think it is too. But yeah, no, it's just it's very interesting to to look into this and how they're all on the same side. They're, I mean, the Axis powers in World War II they were outnumbered by country, but the resources that they had and the knowledge that they seem to have had, right? I mean, See, Italy's old world, right? Now, just like France. You you're laying this out the way you're laying it. It's bringing to mind this metaverse presentation that my buddy Michael Wan put together. I definitely recommend oh, you check it out. 
Yeah, it's very interesting. But this concept that the Hunger Games and Ready Player One and a lot of other movies that he points out, they all sort of allude to this situation where, like you said, the elite are off world and there's like this huge, you know, wealth gap and everyone else is in this kind of despair, you know, poverty on earth and the only solace is like this sort of escape into virtual reality where the elite, you know, they're able to interact with the world with like more basically godlike powers because they'll have, you know, more expensive machines to access the, you know, augmented reality. And the rest of us will kind of have like, you know, knockoff technology or cheaper technology. And, and Mark Zuckerberg, says that in his metaverse presentation that like you know there will be an affordable kit for for everybody and then there will be specialized kits for the you know the really you know they don't say wealthy but that's what they mean and yeah it just brings that to mind like well if they can just have robots bring all the resources they need up to space they won't need to be there here anymore they could just let the earth go to shit and be safe up in their little star trek halo you know, in space, it's just, and that, what that movie Elysium, like seems to me like, like that's a little more far-fetched and what's more likely is that they're going to have this power over us through the, through the virtual reality. But either way, that's a total tangent from, you know, what the Nazis and potentially the reptilian Dracos are doing here in the real world. Well, dude, you're, you're a smart guy, right? I mean, so like when these guys are going up, when they're yeah yeah you're welcome when when they're focusing on going up to space what are all these people also focusing on we're talking Elon Musk Jeff Bezos you know Richard Branson they're also focused on what else other than outer space not not the metaverse but something I'm not sure underground bunkers dude ah. Elon Musk is actively actively drilling underneath Texas right now and he was one of the ones that was really focused on that underground hyperloop railway so much like we think that a lot of the aliens come from outer space or other dimensions ancient civilizations believe that these things came from underground we're talking like anasazi believing in like the airmen and all these things right yeah i think that they're focusing on space so that the dummies like us right even though I, i consider you intelligent i consider myself fairly intelligent you know not book smart by any means but you know for my you know speaking for myself i think that you know they're trying to to do the sexy stuff like hey yeah like we're gonna go up to the skies and we're gonna go to other planets and do all this stuff meanwhile it's so simple going underground is the move like you know like you know get these bunkers going and and send all the dummies up to outer space to get obliterated, and we're going to hide underground while the solar flares hit. You know, you got the Denver airport. You got a lot of these concentration camps that are being built in Australia right now. I mean, these are all right next to airports, dude. There's something significant about airports and the underground aspects of all these things. So, I yeah. think I think these guys are going to be going underground, and they're going to be sending all the dummies up to outer space to just die. And, and, you know, they're going to be safe underground while, while the weather conditions intensify and all these things like that. Right, right, right. So, yeah, and all this, this stuff about climate change, it's almost like the double-edged sword lie. Like, you know, oh, yeah, the climate change is happening, but they're not warning us about the real reasons why it's happening. Like, it's, it's coming from 
space weather, you know, which in my opinion, or at least from what I've researched, we've had far more detrimental events from things like meteor strikes and other astro like space phenomena than we have like hurricanes and all that. And even further, it seems like a lot of the storms we have like hurricanes, earthquakes and such have a sort of planetary trigger, you know, something possibly larger than just, uh, you know, change in pressure or change in, you know, tectonic plates. Like what if these celestial bodies, you know, whether you're in the flat earth model or the round earth model, maybe these celestial bodies get a little close to whatever we're on and, and have some kind of strange effect. And to your point, they just want to throw us up in space because then, then we'll be obliterated while they're taking cover underground. And yeah, man, I mean, you can see all of these structures around the world are, are, are showing us that there's been much, much construction going on underground. I like to think about the craziest conspiracy, conspiratorial aspects that I can and try and walk them back. And I think that it's very possible with the metaverse and with, you know, everyone and their mother has a podcast right now, it seems. I mean, podcasting is really blowing up, for better or for worse. I mean, you know, that'll be determined later. But every, I mean, you can have a full-blown conversation with me, and I'm not even really talking to you right now, right? Like, I, every inflection of my word, every uh, word, in the English language could be thrown out there using my voice and it could sound accurate. There's theories like, you know, the nine 11 uh, victims, like they called their loved ones and, and their, their voices were being played on, on record and they just kind of spliced words together and made these words sound like they were calling people. One of my craziest theories is that they might send people to outer space, people that save up life savings and spend their 401ks to go and be saved, and they'll send them to Mars, let's say. And you really get obliterated out in space, but then you're talking to like a hologram of someone, and they're like, yeah, we're safe here on Mars. Everything's beautiful. Meanwhile, they're dead, and, and you know, it's just kind of like it's going to, to – con other people into like working towards getting out there to space and then they're just obliterated. And, and again, meanwhile, you know, the elites and the people in the know are, are living underground and, and burrowing and, and hiding until, you know, shit evolves and, and, you know, makes it more livable, whether it be oxygen, oxygen depletion or whatever. It's like a, a suicidal Vikings funeral into fit into space. Yeah, I mean, I, it, that's what that's what I'm saying. It sounds crazy, and like like I'm saying, it, this is one of the weirder things. I'm not saying that this is like absolutely something. <laughs> it's like a demented, park. like uh, demented amusement park, like car, like a roller coaster ride uh, man who like fucks with the ride, and he's like charging people their last dollar to take their last ride on the roller coaster. Or I think of it as like a demonic Noah's Ark. Like, wow! Like, okay. Yeah, actually, I mean, geez, you put it like that. It, they are. I mean, that that word "arc" comes up a lot in what they talk about. You know, they're trying to create these arcs through space. You know. Yeah, yeah. So they're going to shoot people up there. Everyone's like, okay, it costs it costs two Ethereum or whatever to get up there because at this point, obviously, cryptocurrency is going to be king. 
And I don't see a big future with Bitcoin. I think Ethereum is probably the way to go or, you know, my favorite's XRP, you know, Dogecoin is one that's kind of more, I'm hearing that from the peanut gallery in my house here, but (laughs) obviously I think XRP, XRP is the way to go in my opinion for these kinds of things, because like they're partnered up with the world economic forum and Klaus Schwab. So yeah, dude, I mean, there's something where they're like, they're going to make it just just above attainable to get on this demonic, they'll probably call it some weird name. I have no idea what they would call it, but you're, you're going to be launched up into space and just fucking killed. And then, you know, it, that will be another way for anyone that doesn't take the vaccine or whatever to, to kind of be just, just another way to kill them. And, and for the people that are allowed to live here on earth, I think that these vaccines would, would potentially make it with the genetic manipulation and all these things, make it, make it possible that you don't need as much sunlight. You don't need as much oxygen. You don't need as much water. I mean, we know for a fact that the, the human, the average water in the human body has decreased by like 15% since the seventies. It used to be 85% and now it's like 75% water. You know what I mean? So this is interesting. You know, it's just stuff that, I, I look at all this stuff and I just try and think of the craziest stuff and then I try and walk it back. I try to always disprove any conspiracy theory, as we like to call them. And it, it is a hack term, but I also do like to lean into it because so many of them have been proven right over time. I just saw a video with Klaus, or with not Klaus Schwab, who's the other asshole, Fauci, talking about with with Mark Zuckerberg that, yeah, I mean, if, if these vaccines don't work this wouldn't be the first time in history that vaccines don't only not work but they make the virus worse you know <laughs> and he's talking with mark zuckerberg about this it's like wow. we've been saying this since the jump you know what i mean this is supposedly a video from from march 2020 when this whole thing really started kicking out that was if you remember you know this is when the lockdown started so you know for for whatever reason this video is circulating right now and we see Anthony Fauci admitting that, yeah, not all vaccines work. And sometimes, you know, they make things worse. So <laughs> what are we talking about? You know what I mean? Yeah, I hear that. I think he's tipping his hat a little bit and maybe revealing some uh, some some liability that he has. I don't know. Or maybe it's a Freudian slip of some kind. But, yeah, I mean, geez, that's that's weird to hear him say that. You'd think he'd be smarter than that, but... <laughs> It's on my Instagram, man. You can you can check that video out on my Instagram. It's a 15 second video of him talking with Zuckerberg. And some people are trying to say it's a deep fake. It's like, no, it's not. You can go and you can find this video in its entirety. It's like hour long video where they talk. And I took this 15 second clip, and it's it's very real. Right. Yeah. No, I don't doubt it. Hey, I got a, a quick question. I, we're gonna wrap up pretty soon. We're going long here. But have you been keeping up to date with the? Ghislaine Maxwell case any heard any updates have you talked about that on the show you know I haven't man I, I think that it's, it's very interesting how we had the Kyle Rittenhouse case that was so publicized you also have the Jesse Smollett case right. which was publicized and weird timing yeah all these massive massive cases that are highly uh, politicized going on and I, I personally think uh, Maxwell is going to get a light sentence I think that not only did, did did Biden point the judge, but you have, I forget the name, dude. There's someone uh, on the defense team. It's someone that was also going hard after Trump. 
And you know my feelings about Trump have changed. I think that he was put in place deliberately, and I, I will be the first to admit that I fell for it. I felt, I mean, this is the first guy that I voted for ever in the 2020 election. And uh, I regret it. I wish that I, I wish that I could still tell you that I've never voted for a president, but I voted for Trump in 2020 and I wish that I could take it back because yeah, man, this, this whole thing is, it's a show, dude. They're, they're the greatest actors on earth. And I think, I mean, you know, I, I, we're going to go through some rough times, honestly, but I don't see any, any reason why we won't come out on top as long as people don't... Uh, people here in the United States don't allow us to get to the point where Australia is. I've been speaking with a lot of Australians lately, and I've interviewed two, and I'm about to have another come out. Depending on when you release this, you may, you may have heard a second Australian on my show. This guy's from Western Australia. Had to take the vaccine in order to keep his job. And, I mean, the, the stuff that they're doing over there with the Aboriginal population and... Uh, I mean, it's tragic and it's terrifying and we'll see what happens here. It, you know, we have a second amendment. I don't know when we're going to use it. I'm not saying that we should go and shoot people. I'm not saying that we should go and attack politicians. I think that's the last thing we should do because you know, that doesn't really solve anything, but we can stand as one. Even if you're, you know, a globalist, you should cherish life a little bit. You know, you should, you should honor uh, the free thought, and the free opinions of people that you don't agree with. Cause you know, you could talk shit about the president in this country, really, really in this country only, you, you know, in the Eastern cultures, you can't, you can't do that. You, you know, you say certain things about Xi Jinping over there in China, you disappear. You say negative things about middle Eastern leaders, you get your head cut off. And, and that's just a fact. That's not being me being racist or whatever. That's just a fact. That's how they operate in that side of the world. So the West is great, and, and we have a lot to be thankful for, but we need to wake up at a certain point and be like, hey, man, like, let's, let's come together and let's stop fighting about you know, how many genders there are or whatever else, and let's just get along and let's, let's fucking put a stop to this, man. We can do that. Yeah, yeah, amen. I agree with you 100%. I'm glad you said that. And I'll be right there with you admitting the same thing, man. Like, I, it definitely wasn't the first president I voted for, but I, I do regret voting for Trump. I didn't vote for him the first time. I voted for him yeah. the second time. So I don't know what that says about me, but I, I, I think I think the PSYOP got me late. But either way, definitely not not something... That we want to encourage. I think, I don't know if you've had Etienne on your show. I definitely want to put you in touch with him if you haven't. But his nope. his theory or his thought and what his advice was is just don't participate. You know, don't vote. Even if, even if you think that these politicians can help you in some way, the truth is they can't, they won't, never have, never will. And uh, this? this guy's name is Etienne de la Bautier. He's got a book called uh, "Government: The Biggest Scam in History." I think you'd like him. Inter yeah, that sounds like I would, dude. Well, and that's what's interesting, man, is that like like Trump helped a lot. I mean, there was a lot of good things. My mortgage got cheaper, you know, like from from 2016 when he came in. I should say 2017 when he came in, and I mean, it got cheaper by about forty dollars. You know what I mean? Like that's not much, but it's better than going up forty dollars. Right. So you know, that gas prices were lowest that, that I've ever been. And, and that's the stuff that directly affects me. 
And let's face it, man, everyone votes on things that affect them. They're not voting on things that affect Iran or Iraq or animal rights. As messed up as I think it is, how we treat animals in this country, I mean, no one's going to stop eating meat. You're not going to get everyone to stop eating meat. You're not going to get everyone to stop acting immorally. So, I mean, save people money. Try to help animal rights. Try to do these little things that you believe in. But, like, the way that, that this, you know, Biden regime, I call it, is trying to make things. I mean, all that they're doing is making meat more expensive. They're raising the taxes. They're lowering the quality of meat. That doesn't mean that's not helping anyone. That's not helping the animals. It's not helping the people. It's not helping anything. It's just making it more difficult. It's it's a shittier tax. So right. it, it's just a mess, man. And, and we'll see. We'll see what happens, dude. I, I'm not I'm not afraid to die. I'm not afraid, you know, for what's next. But you know, I, I am concerned for the next generation for sure. Yeah, yeah. Metaverse or no metaverse, it's definitely looking yeah. bleak in some areas but all the more reason to stay on the positive side man we've done some law of attraction interviews with some really interesting guests lately i know that might not be your thing in particular but i always try to always try to bring some some hope especially at the end of an episode (laughs) you know i never want anybody to leave feeling like oh damn like what am i gonna do because i know i've listened to podcasts in the past where that's been the feeling not yours i'm talking like like when i was before i was even doing podcasts at all yeah black pilling is never a good move for sure but yeah, dude. I mean, realistic. Being realistic is absolutely always the move. And I think, right. yeah, there's something something to be said about manifesting. If enough people get on the side of of the positivity, I mean, it seems like everything is a, is a battery when it comes to this life. And if you can be positive versus negative, it seems like that throws off the whole dynamic of the elite that are trying to control what we're doing. So you're right. There's something to be said about that. And that's why more power to you putting out the truth and spreading that good message and giving people the information they need because that's what it's going to take not to create a hive mind but to get everybody uh, aware of what's going on so that they can face it with a positive attitude and that's a great place to end it tell my uh, listeners where to find your show brother yeah, dude, thanks for uh, chatting with me real quick, man. It's a late, late evening for us here, but I, I always like talking with you, man. It seems like we always talk longer than we intend to, and I, <laughs> I like that, man. So, uh, yeah, Dangerous World Podcast. <laughs> yeah, Dangerous World Podcast on, you know, all, all podcast platforms. And, uh, you know, support the work over at Patreon, patreon.com slash Dangerous World Podcast. And then, of course, if you want to buy some T-shirts, man, DangerousWorldStore.com. Those shirts are cheap until the end of the year. I might have to hike the price up a little bit just because my supplies are, are unfortunately getting more expensive. So head on over there at uh, dangerousworldstore.com. And, and yeah, Mark, thank you, dude. Uh, my family thinks I'm crazy is, uh, is really doing a lot for people. And all media United is connecting a lot of people as well. Dude. So uh, you're doing you. some good moves thank and you. Uh, always, always a, a refreshing voice to hear even late at night, like it is from you right now. So thank well, you, dude. you. You did this on the last, what was the last podcast we did together where you're like, all right, guys, it's getting late. I gotta go. And everybody who was still there was on the East coast. I'm like, it's later for me than it is for you. You're just not a night owl. That's what it is. Yeah. Let me, <laughs> no, Mark, let me ask you this. What time do you have to wake up in the morning? 
exactly. Exactly. I wake up at four usually, not tonight. But yeah, no, it's very tough. Okay, I hear you. But, well, no, yeah, no, it, it is fun, dude. I would uh, honestly, <laughs> I would stay up late every single night because I am absolutely a night owl. But it's it's a little tough when you got to work early in the morning i hear that i hear that brother i've had jobs <laughs> i've had jobs where i had to wake up that early but you brought up the patreon so i gotta tell the folks that my man ryan here is a patron himself for the my family mm-hmm. thinks i'm crazy podcast and i don't know if you realize this yet but all of our patrons get a special name Ooh. and you got a special name it's a spirit animal name and you, Ryan, are the visionary fire ant. The visionary fire ant. Yes. Why is that? <laughs> Why is that? I like it a lot. It's it's totally random because we have two card decks, tarot card decks, one with all different types of living creatures and then one with like different sort of qualities. So, yeah, you got the visionary fire ant just by the luck of the draw. And uh, I thought that was just like fitting too, because you're out there in the in the desert, and that's like where a fire ant would live. I like it. I like it. <laughs> or at least a new little Patreon episode or something. But yeah, brother, this is uh, this has been fun, and I gotta say, I'm catching up. I just looked at our listen note score, and we're matched. We have the same listen note score. We're both in the top 1.5. So if you like this podcast and oh, you're no. not already listening. Ryan Dean's podcast is just as good and even better because he's been top ranked longer than I have. But yeah, brother, I'm I'm with you in the 1.5% now. Oh, congratulations, dude. That's so fucking awesome, man. You deserve it, dude. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. That's yeah, that's why, you know, again, about Alt Media United, that's why I put the ranks on the website so people can see it and you know, if they're just starting off, they have something to look to and be like, oh wow, like, you know, if I work as hard as these guys are maybe i could have these same results and it's not as far-fetched as you might think because you know i only started about a year ago and ryan i think you started maybe about two years ago right so maybe a little less but yeah man i mean this has definitely been a fun journey so far and it's not ending anytime soon but this episode is so thank you for being here be sure to follow up with ryan and uh, yeah Thank you for listening. Have a great moment wherever you are in the now.